congregation. I can tell when you're getting excited. You can tell when I'm passionate about something. You have a different face about you. It brightens and becomes more animated. You have different motions. They're much more demonstrative and, and maybe quicker. You have a different tone of speech where it's maybe faster, a little bit louder, more excited. We all are passionate. We all are happy about different things that, that we enjoy. And when we're telling others about them, our whole body shows that we love what we are talking about. And the opposite is true as well. We have a look about us when, when we really don't care about what's going on, what's being said. We are maybe slouching, looking around, and obviously not interested. And this is really one of the main distinctions when Jesus walked this earth that was made between him and the religious leaders. That when his work was being carried out and people's lives were being changed, there was great rejoicing undoubtedly in the heart of the Lord and in those who followed him. And yet in the establishment, in the teachers of the law, the Pharisees and the scribes, there was disgust reproach, reproof, scorn. And that's the occasion for this parable. Uh, these, this three-part parable. The Pharisees and the scribes, when they saw the tax collectors and the sinners coming and, and showing interest in having their lives changed, they murmured. This man receives sinners and eats with them. They would be slouching and they would be looking away. and They'd be speaking under their breath. If he knew who he was dealing with, he wouldn't associate with them. But through this parable, in these stories, Jesus is making the point that not only is no apology needed, but, but there should be a great cause for celebration. It's the only appropriate response to what is happening. Rejoice, excitement, happiness, deep-seated 
gladness. We can be so often like the Pharisees and scribes. Maybe it's a family member who went wild, becoming more serious, hearing the truth and seeing it take deep root in his, in his heart, and we can kind of resent. Oh, he wasted so much of his life. He went so against his parents' instruction for so long. Rather than being deeply celebratory and rejoicing. Even as pastor, as office bearers, sometimes you can hear of, of churches being blessed under the preaching of the word and having visitors and having new memberships and having conversions from the outside. And I can catch myself thinking, well, how long will the zeal of that pastor continue? How many will end up leaving the church? And you're looking for reasons to dump water on the excitement and on the joy. When really the heart should be exuberant, should be full. This is God's Work advancing. So what is it for you? Are you rejoicing when the lost are found? When the stray are brought back? When the sinner is received back into the fellowship? Does it give you not just an outward smile on your face, but an inward celebration that God is receiving His own. Well, this is what we're looking at. Much can be said about this well-known chapter, but we're focusing especially on the rejoicing under the theme causes for celebration. Causes for celebration. We have various verses here. Luke 15, verse 5. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then verse 9. When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. And then verse 32, where we have the end of the parable, it was meet, it was fitting, that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So our theme is causes for celebration. God's glorious purpose God's restless pursuit and God's wondrous grace. So God's glorious purpose is dealing with the first part of the parable, the finding of the lost sheep. God's restless pursuit with the woman who lost the coin. And then 
God's wondrous grace with the finding of the lost son. Why did that shepherd leave the 99 and go after that one? It seems like all the calculations are, are not entirely accurate because why risk and jeopardize the 99 for this one? And the reason we must give is that he decided to go after that one. That one sheep is so valuable to him that when it left, when it wandered away and it was separated from the oversight, from the protection from the provision of his owner, that the owner resolved, the owner purposed in his heart, I'm going to bring that sheep back under my care. There's purpose. There is reasoning that only he knows as the shepherd who knows all the sheep And there's value even in that one. What a glorious purpose to find that one. And this is specifically the delight of the shepherd. The delight of the shepherd to have that experience of bringing that which was away from him back into his close protection and provision. There's something delightful there. He had lost control of that sheep for a while, as it were, but he would not ultimately give that sheep up. He would assert his rightful ownership over that sheep. It was his. And he would go and find it and bring it back into safety and care. And that's really what Christ was doing. As he received sinners and was eating with them. They were rightly God's possession. They had been estranged. They had been separated. They had been brought into dangerous Being far from him. And yet for his own purpose. Out of his reasons within himself, we say. Reasons within himself. Reasons that only he knows, especially his heart of love. He 
goes and seeks that lost one. He goes and finds him and brings him back, laying it on his shoulders. God's glorious purpose was being fulfilled by Christ working among sinners and bringing sinners back into fellowship with the true and holy God. And there's the reason to rejoice. He brings the sheep home. He lays, he has it on his shoulder rejoicing. There's internal, inward sense of this was well worth it. But then he calls together his friends, his, his neighbors. Come and rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. Here is a reason, a cause for celebration that my purpose of finding the sheep and bringing him back to to my own pen to safety and care has been accomplished. What a cause for celebration. And he says, not only as it were on earth, But even there is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. The purpose of God to receive the penitent, the helpless, the needy one back to himself is the cause for celebration. And this must cause you and I to ask, how aligned with God's purposes are we? He finds reasons in himself to interact with certain down and outs, with certain of those who have left the truth for a time. We find in our hearts a little bitterness. We find in our hearts they should have got more of what was coming to them. We're not aligned with the purpose of God. We are so often like Jonah, bitter, discouraged, for the reality that he knows God would spare Nineveh rather than destroy them if they return and repent. But then there are others. There are others who when they can see lives being changed, they can see the lost being brought back. They know the significance This is one who was in danger of destruction. This was one who was on his own apart from the good shepherd who was brought back under the nurture, under the care, under the protection and the safety of where they should be and where they will thrive. 
how can we develop this sense of God's purpose and an appreciation for it? Well, the first way is to remember that if we are now saved, we were once that lost sheep. We were once that one who had been far away from the care of the shepherd. If we have that on our minds, and we know that, that that's what made the difference with us, that God had a purpose to find us, then it will be very difficult to be bitter and cold towards those who are being found. When we forget that, that we were found lost and helpless, well then, it's a little bit easier to look down upon and frown over somebody's return. And the second way that we can understand the purpose is that that's what Christ came to earth to do. He came to earth to find the lost, to fulfill the purpose of God. He didn't come to just model, to be an example of the right way of life. To be followed. He didn't come to merely instruct. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. God's glorious purpose is being fulfilled. And oh, that in our day, that in this church and in this area, there would be cause for celebration that the lost, even one in 100, being brought back. Secondly, God's restless pursuit. The woman with the ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, we're not told exactly the details in, in how she, she lost it. If it was through disorganization, if it was through the house being in, in a mess and it being bumped, if it was through it being left out where it shouldn't be. But we don't get the impression that this woman had any moral deficiency that led her to be sloppy with this day's wage. Because she was the one who would light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she would find it. She noticed it was missing. And she didn't rest. She didn't give up until it was back in her possession. And this is what I'm calling God's restless pursuit. You have the proportion one in a hundred, and now you have a proportion one in ten. This is, this is valuable for this woman. She can't just let it go. This would be a, a vital part of her being able to be cared for. And what is highlighted here 
is her unceasing work to find it. She turns on the light. She makes bare. She makes it able to be seen in all the corners. She sweeps the house. Anything that could be hiding that coin. Anything that could be camouflaging that coin. She tries to do away with. And she seeks diligently till she finds it. She doesn't rest. Children, you have played hide-and-go-seek. And you can have this game with those that are easy to find and you go right to where you know they're hiding and you find them and you say, I found you. But then you can have those who have really clever spots. And you look everywhere and, and you can't find them and you're ready to give up. That's not what this woman did. This coin was, was lost. She didn't lose heart and want to give up. She sought it. She spent time. She exerted herself. And here is another cause for celebration. After so much work, so much exhausting effort, so much detailed work, looking in every nook and cranny for this coin, she finally found it. When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I had lost. I see the labor of my hands. I see the time that I invested come to a wonderful outcome. So too Christ, receiving sinners and eating with them. It's a cause for celebration because that's the work he came to do. He didn't come to just relax with those that have everything in place. With those who have an outwardly beautiful house, life. But he came to work in a hostile world where dust and debris caused by the devil's destruction abounds. Where lives are much more messy than put together. Much more chaotic than neat and tidy. But that's why Christ came. The whole, the healthy, have no need of the physician. But those that are sick, those that are disheveled, those that are desperate, cause for celebration is 
that Christ wouldn't rest until every one of his precious people are brought in. And he would even endure the scorn and the shame of associating with publicans and sinners because he knew they needed him to have any hope to be found. And he knew that that was just the beginning, but that he came to exert himself all the way to death to work the work of God and bringing every one for whom he came back into the rightful place. It's easy to grow complacent in the work of the church as parents. You can lose the drive You can lose the gusto with which you pray for your kids' salvation, with which you try to labor for their souls. You can grow a little apathetic. I know the feeling. It seems like so little is happening, that there's so many reasons to be discouraged. But remember this. God never grows apathetic and restless. He is always resolved that that which is lost and precious to him be brought back to his enjoyment. She calls together her friends and her neighbors, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. It's fitting. It's the only right response. You're not going to be dour and downcast when somebody has something so precious and they lose it and they bring it back into their possession. You're going to be happy and celebrate the right response. Let us know that God pursues sinners restlessly. Perhaps you're estranged from him now because of sin. And you think that you can if you last long enough tire God out. You can't. He pursues. My parents' family, or my wife's family, they had two beagles. And these beagles were naturally insistent upon chasing rabbits. There was a beagle that normally rabbits circle back around and And that's how the hunters kill the rabbits. But this beagle got on a different scent. And they believe it was a a deer scent of some sort. And and it followed that scent for what they estimate close to 
three or four miles. And finally, the beagle got exhausted and collapsed there in the snow, tired out. God never, never rests. If you are outside of Christ, thinking that uh, there will come a time, as long as you are alive, what a wonder that God pursues and God will bring people back. And if you are a believer, it's because he never rested in bringing you back. That's why you are who you are. And you are where you are. His restless, never giving up pursuit. Lastly, we have God's wondrous grace. Here is a great cause. Whole books are written on the prodigal son, but here we're just focusing on the cause for celebration. Verse 32, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this. Thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Here you get the contrast between the older brother who is down and discouraged and and despising his father for this great party he is throwing on the return of the the son who had left. What we see here is that grace working in somebody's life is a wondrous cause for celebration. This son, the lost son, the dead son, had his desire to be away from the Father, to be free. And yet that life was empty and that life ended in the pig's sty to feed swine. And he was hungry. But here we see his purpose, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. He came to himself. He understood that his father remained. All that his father was and that is abundant in grace. He prepares his confession. And he's even willing to just be called a servant. As long as he had a place in his father's house. But notice verse 20, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. There was grace extended to this son who had, for all intents and purposes, wished him dead. He didn't deserve to be welcomed back. 
freely welcomed this younger son back. And there was a cause for rejoicing. There was cause for celebration. There was cause for a feast. And the reason is given for this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. God's grace had worked a change in this younger son from death to life, from lostness to being found. What wondrous grace our God shows towards sinners, towards those who would offend him right to his face. And yet he welcomes sinners back. His grace works. That's why there's a cause for celebration. His grace works change through the power of His Spirit. The same life wouldn't be lived by this younger brother. It would be a life of having received grace and never being the same. But this grace also doesn't allow for It repulses the self-righteous older brother. It's offensive to him. He can't fathom it. He can't rejoice in his heart. But he grows like the scribes and the Pharisees, murmuring against his father, not agreeing with his father's actions and downright angry. So this grace even is declared to this son. It was meet, it was fitting that we should make merry. It's the only response that would be allowed for your brother was dead and is alive again was lost and is found. We don't know how the older brother responded. But we do know that Christ confronted the scribes, the Pharisees. We know how they responded. Crucify him. Crucify him. Be rid of him. And that beloved is why God can be gracious. Because Christ paid for it all. So we have great reason for celebration. And the closing remark I would have is this, that this celebration is so great that eternity, eternity, is the only suitable length, duration for it. 
cause of rejoicing in heaven. The purpose of God fulfilled. The pursuit of God completed. They're brought safely. The grace of God displayed. Let us rejoice. Amen.